0: Welcome to the Lucas Baseball Podcast brought to you by DrRoto.com. On today's show, we're going over our favorite waiver, wire, and fab editions for the week. We have the broken into 12-team and 15-team league editions. We'll end the show with our Adam and Cutum segment as well these available players based on our personal NFBC leagues. I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host Lucas Beery. Lucas, some solid infielders available this week, a couple interesting starting pitchers, and maybe even some saves in deeper leagues.
1: Absolutely. This uh, this last week that we had in Fab, unfortunately, we weren't able to record a pod. Uh, kind of had a little illness that broke out, but we're all smooth sailing now, so thankful to see that and uh this week there's a handful of uh intriguing players that can kind of fill holes but not really anyone that i would consider splashy or necessarily even must add but there's some intriguing players to break down
0: i have a bold prediction for one of the players uh coming up in the 12 team section so just, just get ready. Maybe it's not as bold as I think is. I think it's bold, but that doesn't necessarily okay. mean that everyone is going to think it's bold. But we'll start with these twelve team guys. Gio Rochella, of the Twins, shortstop and third base eligibility. Certainly a nice asset to have. Lineup spot is premium. That's a big factor mm-hmm. here. I think not hitting for much power yet, though. Just one extra base hit in 18 games. Those will come. It's encouraging to see him batting over 300, though, and very impressive 375 on base percentage. He's shown he can maintain a 300 batting average in the past. He's also flashed 20 home run power. So to think you might be able to get a 15 homer, 290, 345 on base percentage type of season, I think it seems pretty reasonable, and that would be quite helpful.
1: Yeah, I like that line that you set out for him. I think he could break over 15 home runs. Uh, I know you probably agree there, but just throwing that out as a potential. Yeah, line, I was definitely yeah.
0: playing conservative.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the plate discipline has been wonderful. He's cut down the strikeouts a lot, and he's walking at a career high clip, even though we're only 18 games in. It's so early. It's hard to draw a lot of conclusions, but we're getting closer to being able to do that more. Uh, like you said, hitting cleanup plenty for the twins. That's a selling point and he's a high batting average player as well so in those 12 teamers uh, you've got to really be selective with who you add yeah
0: Yeah, obviously you have to be you have to be selective in those 12 teamers for sure absolutely
1: absolutely yeah i think this is a good ad and Uh, He's not flashy, but the corner infield as well as middle infield, good batting average and a great lineup spot. Power is not going to be amazing, but I think 15 to 16, 17 home runs is in play. I'd love
0: to see it. Always been a big fan of his. uh, I miss him with the Yankees. I mean, I'm happy with with the team that they have and, you know, all the contributors. I understand the trade, but I always liked him for sure. Uh, Great
1: great defense will also – give him a surefire role obviously just pointing that out
0: definitely and if something were to happen to Correa per se I mean I guess they can move Polanco back over to short but they could also consider moving Geo over to short so that gives him some flexibility as well to stay in the lineup speaking of shortstop JP Crawford on an eight game hitting streak right now Flashing power for the first time in his career. He's already has a third of his career high in homers, and we're still in April. Uh, a ridiculous four forty seven on on-base percentage right now through the first 20 games of the season. The Seattle team, one of the better ones in the American League right now. That helps for sure, the offense clicking. And I'm going to make my bold prediction right here, Lucas, and say that J.P. Crawford ends the season in the top three for hits in the American League. I think he's going to get 185 or more hits this season.
1: Well, I I would certainly classify that as bold, Lou. Uh, There's no doubts about that. I know that he's most likely available in 12-teamers. So if uh, you can pick him up, certainly he's a must-add player there. The the thing that I loved about uh, J.P. Crawford, similar to Shello, is that he has that slick gold glove that's going to ensure his plate appearances in the lineup, even if he was hitting ninth. Uh, which does kind of sting him a little bit. Let uh, me ask obviously.
0: you this off hand. How many hits do you yeah. think Crawford had last year? Um, just throw just throw out a number if you're dead wrong, if you're very close, either way.
1: About 157.
0: Okay, he had 169 hits and 89 runs scored last year. Um, and with the improvements he's shown and the improvements of the Mariners lineup, 180 plus 185 hits and 100 runs is really not out of the question here
1: no no it's not and you know as far as just his career arc I want to point this out Lou since 2019 every year he's improved a little bit in terms of WRC plus going from 87 to 95 jumping up over 100 to 103 and then this year he's at 208 which obviously is going to slide back down a lot but any player that's a young guy, especially a former top prospect in his mid-20s that gets better every year, that catches my eye because this is a hard worker that's coming in and making some changes and getting better. So I like this ad.
0: Should be should be available in all those 12-teamers still too, I think. Um, maybe not even in 15-teamers maybe, but definitely in the 12-teamers. Uh, starting pitcher Bruce Zimmerman. He's a guy who I tried to add in some 15-team leagues. And after what I've been seeing so far, I want him in these 12-team leagues too. you got to be impressed with what he's done. And I kind of look at John Means, another fellow yeah. Oriole now with Tommy John surgery. But he kind of came out of nowhere a few years ago. It looks like Zimmerman might be doing the same thing. He's not overpowering. Kind of a crafty lefty, but an excellent changeup that really keeps hitters honest and off-balance Four starts this season, he's allowed just two run runs in 19 to third innings, more than a strikeout per inning, six walks, keeping the ball in the ballpark, and what really stands out to me is not just how he's pitching, but who he's done it against. Three of his four starts have come against the Yankees and the Angels. Those are the two top scoring teams in the American League. They have the most runs per game. Uh, or yeah, per game and just overall are the Yankees and the Angels in the AL. So that's very impressive as well. Uh, it's not like he's doing it against weaker competition. So keep an eye on Bruce Zimmerman. And with the improvements made for pitchers at Camden Yards in Baltimore, that's another thing you have to consider here, especially as a lefty probably facing a lot of righties. Um, there's going to be a lot more fly outs than there were in the past uh, in that ballpark. So, That's something that you definitely do need to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, the more I've gotten a chance to look at Zimmerman, the more I'm kind of intrigued. Obviously I've had a kind of a repulsion to Baltimore pitchers, but this is one guy that I think is worth a speculative ad similar to how we had mentioned Daniel Lynch on our last show who turned in some good starts. Uh, You can pick up Zimmerman, and if you're kind of concerned to start him just because he's unproven, stick him on your bench. But if he breaks out, you're going to be happy that you had spent the the money to pick him up, and he's not necessarily going to require a huge bid since he's not a household name and, like I said, pitches for Baltimore, which usually scares people off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It definitely does, and it's funny because we have another Baltimore Oriole here now. It's not a pitcher, of course, and you know no. it's one of my favorite names of all time to say. Did you, know, yes, you, you know who it is, right? Anthony oh, Santander. Um, <laughs> he's walking a ton, man. Sixteen? through the first 20 games of the season hitting the ball out of the ballpark and he kind of has 25 to 30 homer power in a full season and he's shown that based on the past three seasons and when you look at the 162 game average from him 75 runs 28 homers 83 rbis it's very impressive And I mentioned the 16 walks, getting on base right now at an elite level, something he's never done in the past. So clearly he's made some drastic improvements to his approach at the plate, that's inevitably going to make him into a better all-around hitter. Um, Anthony Santander, switch hitter, good lineup spot, and a guy that, if he can stay on the field, can rack up those cannon stats for you.
1: Yeah, I... Better version of kind of what we had described with J.P. Crawford as a young player that has shown some incremental improvements. Now, he's not had as linear of a path. He's had kind of a fall off in 2021, um, but he showed a lot in 2020. He really did. I mean, he had 11 home runs in 37 games, Lou. And this year, his power has still been there at a solid rate. Uh, The walks have skyrocketed up, so he's made some definite skill changes there. Now, are they going to stick to this level? Obviously not. But if he's a double-digit walk rate guy, that's going to give him another avenue to provide an impact for the team. And they might even want to sign him for the long term if he shows he can provide some walking and patience ability. So I like him as a pickup. I loved him a lot before this year because the guaranteed playing time in the middle of the lineup. Sure, it's a bad lineup, but middle of the lineup, sign me up. I like this.
0: It's not even a terrible lineup
1: anymore either.
0: Um, It's much improved. Another thing to keep in mind is with these guys that do have the great plate discipline, they start to see more pitches to hit because of it. As they continue to be patient and take walks and not swing at balls outside of the zone, they start to see more balls in the zone. So that's also something to consider that sometimes people overlook.
1: Yeah. And naturally people are going to be turned off of Santander this off season because he, his career walk rate was 6%. uh, So that kind of made him a cheaper play. And obviously his power was not elite, but since he's 27 and he had shown success in the past, he was pretty much entrenched into an everyday role. And additionally, I had read some reports that he had played injured last year and had played through a tough ankle injury, and that was pretty much proven on on a Fangraphs article that I had read from Jeff Zimmerman. So if he's fully healthy, he's going to be a different player this year, and I I think now is the time to scoop him, even in 12-teamers.
0: Yeah, nobody's playing at their best when they're injured. We see it all the time. So I kind of have to give him a mulligan in regard to that. 15-team leagues. Haseong Kim of the Padres kind of seemed like a drop, even just a couple weeks ago, Lucas. But... That's because he was strictly platooning, and he was on the wrong side of that platoon. But suddenly, that's no longer the case, because he's hitting well versus everybody. Three homers in the past eight days, scoring a ton of runs, raises batting average into the 270s. Second, third, and shortstop eligibility makes him very valuable. Padres, one of the top-scoring offenses in the NL right now. Uh, Second, only the Mets, I believe. So as long as Kim continues to get his at-bats, he's worthy of being on your team, in your deeper leagues. And I just grabbed him, not just in 15, but in a 12-teamer with daily roster moves. If you do have those daily roster moves, that positional eligibility he has is almost
1: priceless. Absolutely. Uh, We did kind of mention him as a drop on our last show, and uh, it shows you how quickly sometimes things can change and why drops are tough. But Well, we uh, weren't
0: doubting the skill level, though. We were just doubting the playing time because he was strictly in that platoon.
1: That's exactly right, and you can't just stand with your hands on your sides and just not make any moves you've gotta if you if you uh if you don't make any drops that you don't regret you're you played it too uh too safe you gotta you gotta take some risks here and there, but I like him as a pickup and even twelve teamers because he is ticking up and that triple eligibility on the infield has all the infield positions covered except for first base, which is that's fine, and uh yeah, he's hitting a little bit better. Everything that we had talked about as far as his benefits previously with him coming to the U.S. from overseas and kind of a pandemic, it's going to put toll on anybody, and maybe he's just getting settled in here, and it's been good to see him producing to ensure his lineup spot, especially if C.J. Abrams gets demoted, which possibly could happen.
0: I think Abrams gets demoted when the rosters go back down to 26.
1: Uh, I
0: think he'd be one of the first guys to be demoted. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I don't believe Kim is going anywhere at this point. Dakota Hudson of the Cardinals. First two starts this season, pretty terrible. Past two starts, albeit versus bad teams, have gone very well, though. Twelve and two-thirds innings, three hits, no earned runs. The one downside has been walks, though, Lucas. Those two starts with the twelve and two-thirds, no earned runs, he did walk seven batters and struck out eight. That's a really tough ratio uh, for to roster and it's going to get him into trouble more times than not. Eventually that balances out. So if he cannot maintain those um, or if he cannot avoid those walks, if he can't kind of adjust and throw more strikes, he could get into trouble. So it may not be someone you want to start every week, but I think you can use him for his bad teams. And he arguably has three of those within his own division with the Cubs, Pirates and Reds. So this could be a guy in 15 team leagues that you add and you start um, in certain spots.
1: Yeah, uh, this is another player similar to Santander that I was all over in the preseason, just offseason draft and whole drafting. He's kind of a boring veteran at this point, even though he's only 27. Uh, great team context, like you said, the NL Central. Uh, a lot of people kind of realized later on in the draft season that it's a soft cupcake landing spot for pitchers. And this week, he's going to get a two start against the Kansas City Royals and at the San Francisco Giants where that second matchup does worry me. Lou, his walk issues are pretty much mostly to left-handed batters, where he's faced 41 lefties and given up six walks to just three against righties. Uh, So if you see a team just jamming in as many left-handers as possible against Dakota, that's when you might be a little bit weary to start him. But if you're uh, looking to go for a win, I think that if you're willing to take a little bit of risk, you can put him out there for that two-start even though it uh, could be a little risky. Uh, It just kind of depends on how you want to play it. But in certain matchups, in certain leagues, where I needed more volume of wins and strikeouts, I'd put Hudson out there for the two-start next week.
0: All right, I feel you there. Didi Gregorius, if you're in need of a middle infielder, he can be that player for you. He's not what he once was as a Yankee, but in a very good Phillies lineup. And he's out hitting Bryson Stott so far, so he's getting... The chance to play he's batting around 300 he's getting on mm. base at a career high clip so far and this season looks a lot more like the 2020 production that Didi put up his first year in Philly making him a pretty quality bench batter even a middle infield option in deeper leagues especially if you're dealing with Injuries. So, uh, I mean, you still might be looking for the Fernando Tatis Jr. replacement in the middle infield. Uh, some people definitely still are. They've been going probably through a number of people, <laughs> and uh, Didi's D- probably out there.
1: Didi is almost certainly out there in a lot of leagues. Um, last year, similar to Santander, battled injuries. He actually had bone spurs, and he had a chronic elbow issue that seems to be a lot better now and um just kind of every day at bats so far uh stott getting demoted was a bummer i had high hopes for him but these guys just uh it's tough to make that transition and gregorius has at least taken the job over um i don't think that there's a lot of upside in the bat but if you just want every day at bats i think that he's fine
0: yeah he's a perfect injury replacement basically yes at this point, and I mean, there's not upside per se, but there's certainly right. there's certainly 15 homer power if he's healthy, and uh, an opportunity for RBIs and runs because of the lineup he hits in, so that's definitely something so. to consider.
1: I, I feel like his—I agree. I, I, I kind of always liked him, and— you know, going into this year with the fact that he was not guaranteed a job per the uh, GM Dave Dombrowski, and then the arrival of Bryson Stott, I kind of avoided him because he had some of those chronic injuries. But Lou, it feels like Gregorius kind of fell off too fast, and if he were to have a bounce back, I wouldn't be that surprised since he's only 32. And yeah, like I said, his bounce, his his fall off happened so quick. I wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back a little bit.
0: Yeah, and he's, it's not like he's being relied upon in the middle of that order. That order is loaded. That team is loaded with talent. <laughs> he has to hit down towards the bottom and kind of clean up the mess that some guys might not be able to do um, every time through the order. So he's hes going to have a chance to drive and run, that's for sure. Um, how about a closer yep. here, an Anthony Bender? He's gotten the past three save opportunities for the Marlins, and he's converted all of them. He's certainly not elite, really, at all, but he's getting chances, and he's converting them. So he's going to help you in 10 10-team um, leagues, even 12-team leagues, certainly the 15-team leagues for sure, because everyone needs saves, especially if you're playing Roto. If you're playing head-to-head, I mean, you could probably do without him at this point. Even in a 15-team league, you might not necessarily need him right now. Uh, but if you're in a Roto league, any size league, and you want saves, Anthony Bender's out there, and uh, is going to get them for you.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Uh, interestingly enough, Lou, obviously he has the... Three consecutive saves this week. I mean, he has four. He has three saves in four days, Lou. That just shows you the efficiency that this guy's doing. Uh, But he's only owned Lou in 81% of main events, showing you that even in the best best of leagues, people dropped him because they were just annoyed with kind of his up and down uh, performance. But saves are saves, and it seems like he's getting them now. So he's pretty much a must add. And I want to point out Dylan Floro also is a really solid add as well because. uh, Don Mattingly loves to have that one closer. He doesn't really go with a committee. So whether it's Bender or Floro, my bet would be on one of those two getting it. Bender for now. And if he slips up, I think if Floro comes back and looks solid, not a flashy pitcher, but I think one of those two is going to have that role because there's so many committees. Marlins are kind of that last team that sticks with the one closer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good call on Floro. Floro was a guy I really liked during early draft season. And then, of course, he got hurt. Well, before we wrap up, we'll do our next edition of Adam and Cut Him. So what do you got for us this week in terms of ads?
1: A little bit more of a kind of a proven version of Dakota Hudson with more pelts on the wall. I like Miles Michaelis as an ad and even 12-teamers as a bench streamer. Now, it doesn't mean you have to use him every single week, but I wouldn't drop him if you picked him up this week. Um, He's going to have nice cupcake matchups in the NL Central, as previously mentioned. and. He just knows how to pitch. I mean, career ERA under four, only 33, still has a little bit of velocity to get enough outs at 90, 93 to 95. I think Michaelis is a player that you can pick up and keep the whole season somewhat like Wade Miley, where yeah, he's not flashy, but there'll be plenty of opportunities to use him. So I wouldn't cut him if you picked him up.
0: Yeah, I mean and he's shown success in the big leagues in the past too. It's not yep. like it's not like this is the first time we're seeing it and it's kind of coming out, out of nowhere. Uh and I like the comp you made to kind of a more um proven version of Dakota Hudson. Uh, and I mean he wasn't even bad in 2019 or 2020 Lucas, but if you can get what we had in around 2018 version, uh maybe with some less hits allowed, uh, you're gonna be very happy with what you're getting from Miles Mikolas. I don't think he's just necessarily an ad for right now. I think he might be an ad and someone that you can keep the rest of the season, even with a very mm-hmm. average or mediocre uh K per nine.
1: Yeah, he uh he's a he was a big target of mine, and the biggest issue in my mind was his health. He had, had health issues. He's going to be 34 late this summer, so he's kind of getting up there, but obviously he plays with an elite Cardinals defense with gold glovers all over the place, and he had a great divisional context. So the only worry I had was his health, and so far so good. Um, he's a huge leader in the Cardinals clubhouse watching their games, and yeah, some will scoff at the bad K rate, but he – kind of combats that by the fact that he's gone 200 innings in the past. And in 2019, his last full season, he went 184 innings. He's, 30, he's going to be 34 later this summer. They're not going to necessarily baby his innings. So he can combat a low K rate with a good volume of five, six, maybe even seven inning outings from time to time.
0: Especially if he can maintain solid ratios as well. Um, who, do you, who else do you have on the ad list this week?
1: Almost universally rostered in 15 teamers but probably available in 12 teamers if you're kind of just really needing another outfielder or a corner infielder I like Hunter Dozier he played similar this is the this is the theme of the episode Lou we didn't even plan it but he played through an injury as well last year he had a thumb issue and really sucked and has not established himself necessarily he had a really nice 2019 but outside of that he hadn't really fully established himself Um, but I think that with better health this year, he's shown good barrels and hitting the ball a lot harder. And as far as an infielder eligible player at third base and an outfielder, I think you can grab him onto your bench and just uh, ride him and plug him in if you need him.
0: Yeah, moral of the story is guys aren't
1: good when they're playing hurt. No, no, they're not. <laughs> All um, right, projections miss those oftentimes. I I I remember about five years ago, kind of learning more. Carlos Correa had played through a serious injury as he kind of does sometimes. And the projection systems kind of thought he wasn't that great. And then he played great. And it had just kind of proven that one of the things projection systems often miss is when players get hurt. So reading as many news articles as you can on fan graphs and other sites uh, certainly helps you kind of have a better picture.
0: Yeah. Listening to this podcast helps you get a better picture as well. All right. From ads to cuts. We have one, two, three names this week.
1: So my my first pairing of cuts, I guess, uh, are players that are owned in many, many 15-team leagues. And I just think that you can do better uh, because of their lack of power. And it's been hard to find home runs this year, so rostering a a bad home run hitter is going to hurt even worse, in my opinion. So Nick Madrigal... He should probably be cut, especially since he's not playing full-time. He's been in and out of the lineup, as well as Adam Frazier. Now, Frazier, obviously, has a little bit better of a role, so if you want to hang on to him, I can understand that. But I'd be extremely careful when using very low home run hitters. Uh, It's just going to only set you back, and that category has been tough to find, as you know this year, Lou.
0: Yes, it definitely has, and none of these guys that were – having here on the cut list or even on the um the 12 and 15 team ads um are necessarily guys are going to play their primary position they're basically middle infielder or corner infield at best but looking at who we've talked about today already whether it be dd kim or jp crawford or geo or shella I would prefer all four of those guys over Fraser or Magical any day. So if you can upgrade with those players, I would do it.
1: I uh, I would agree there. I would probably rather have Adam Frazier than Didi, but that's just kind of picking nits. So, but yeah. Well, it depends
0: did. if you want the power or not, because Didi's going to hit for more of that. But Fraser's probably going to yeah. score some more runs, and um, at least over the past year or two, has proven to be a better uh, on base percentage and average guy as well.
1: Let's be honest. Both of those guys are pretty much band-aids. So you're just looking to get to ride them until you can find something better. So yeah,
0: basically, yeah. And with magical, <laughs> with magical, I rank him below all those guys. Yep. Um. I mean, I like I like him in real life. I like him still in yeah. dynasty leagues because he's still young enough that he could, you know, make improvements. But as far as redraft goes, zero interest.
1: Just kind of. One of the reasons I had come up with Madrigal as a a cut is that I had noticed that he was owned in 96% of main events. And I was, like, kind of surprised just because...
0: Well, people are still hoping that he'll start stealing bases the way he did in the minor leagues. And he just hasn't done that at the big
1: league level at all. Even if he does steal, you know, 12 to 15 bases... If he's only playing 130 games and he's hitting one or two home runs, you pretty much did away all those steals by losing runs in RBIs. Yeah, but I'm not sure why anyone thinks he's
0: going to do that. Everyone looks at 2019 where he stole 35 (laughs) bases. He's stolen three in the big leagues in 98 games.
1: The health issues he's dealt with, just missing multiple years, cutting his years short with hamstring and shoulder issues. I mean they're not gonna necessarily push it with him on the base pass. They're gonna try to keep him healthy and get him into a groove potentially.
0: Yeah. Uh probably. And you have one more guy, same team as Nick Magical, but plays a much different position. What do you got there?
1: This is a tough one for me, Lou. This is a player I've adored for many years as a Cubs fan and uh I think people might be able to predict this one, but I think Kyle Hendricks needs to go in 12-teamer's. Uh now it doesn't mean he won't have good games. Doesn't mean he won't flash good upside and maybe hopefully he has a nice month or two run, but I just think that he's just too volatile to start in a 12-teamer where your options are so rich as we had mentioned. Um, I mean, he'll have a gym every once in a while, and then he'll give up six earned runs to the Pirates. And figuring out when he's going to do what or when you can rely on Hendricks, I think, is just far too risky at this point. So that's kind of my take there.
0: Yeah, and it's a shame because from 2014 to 2020, this guy was awesome. I mean, the strikeouts have never really been great, but everything else has been outstanding. Durable. Durable um great great ratios solid really good real life pitcher and very solid stabilizer um in fantasy and last year almost unusable and this year looks to be the same thing i think last year he gave up the most hits out of every any starting pitcher in all of major league baseball
1: that is not good and i thought that he could potentially just kind of bounce back since it was the one outlier year and everything else had been good but I think the fact of the matter is is that he had such a small margin for error, and now that his skills have decreased even more, his velocity's just been shaved off just a little bit more, and he's just gotten older, probably a little bit less athletic. I think that uh, it's just kind of a house of cards, and it kind of collapsed on him at this point.
0: I am with you there, buddy. Anything else on uh, the Adam cut him? Anything else on the players we talked about, or anyone else that's kind of just come to your mind over the last half an hour or so since we've come on air
1: i guess uh, i'll just throw this out there as kind of a last point um you know i don't mind zimmerman as a speculative pickup uh, as well as potentially some of the other starters like dakota hudson but i'd be real careful with who you're starting i know you made this point uh on the on the wire pitcher list podcast with kevin hastings i'd just be as careful as possible with who you're starting i have to admit a faux pas on this one kevin and i had both recommended dallas keichel and we used him and got absolutely destroyed for eight earned runs in the first inning. And I'm just going to try to avoid that as much as possible. Thought it might be able to get a win there, but uh, no, I'm just going to stick with as many relievers as I can if I don't like the matchups and just play it safe on the pitching. If the player's out there on on the waivers for pitching, a lot of times it's for a reason unless you find that he has a good matchup and such, but that's kind of where I'm at, just trying to play it safe with the arms until I can uh, find some better starters on my bench as depth pieces.
0: makes sense. Well, let me ask you this. Chris Bryant injury, he goes on the IL, and the Rockies call up their corner infield prospect, Montero. Is Montero going to get playing time, you think? And is he worth a look in those deeper leagues because he is a Coors bat?
1: It'd have to be a really deep league, I think, uh, to want to go for him, or you'd have to be really desperate at corner infield. Montero came over in the Nolan Arenado deal. And was kind of just a somewhat of a throw-in, I guess. Um, so I'm not too, super jazzed about him. But I guess if you're desperate for corner infield and you throw a dollar or two on him, I wouldn't hate it. I just I don't I don't have that much desperation on my teams to go for him yet.
0: Fair enough. I I don't uh, I don't think that um, he's going to get enough playing time. To begin right. with uh, That's kind of my but I know that you know people will see the Brian injury and they'll want to know okay, so what happens with that? I think all it really means is that Sam Hilliard's going to get a few more um, at bats now. I think Montero's more so called up for some depth and may get a start here or there.
1: I tend to agree i I don't think that Montero's going to play enough, but at the same time, if we're all wrong and he does play enough and you were able to get him for a dollar and he's a young Rockies hitter who has some success, then you're feeling great. But I just don't think that he's going to play enough, I guess, to kind of convey that.
0: I'm with you there. Anything else here, buddy?
1: No. uh, Good luck on the bidding this weekend. And, uh,
0: yeah. All right. This has been the Lucas Baseball Podcast, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Lou Landers with Lucas Beery. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time.